put yourself in a position where you can't retreat, where it's do or die, sink or swim. Here's what you'll find out. You'll develop incredible swimming skills. You'll find yourself stroking unlike you've ever seen before. Through the inspiration of desperation, you'll become more creative than ever before. Throw your whole self into it. All you can do is all you can do. And all you can do is enough. But make sure you do all you can do. Welcome to another episode of Burning the Boats. What's going on, fellas? What's up, Doogie? Not much, man. Tim, you good? What's going on, boys? Not Always. much, man. We, we, um, we've got the powerful Rafa Loza on the podcast today. Um, it was a great interview. Um, Rafa, he could not be further away from us in the country. We're on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast, out in California, Southern California. Um, but he is an absolute rock star uh, in the in, in a lot of spaces. But he's kind of niched himself down to the short-term, mid-term rental uh, space. Done a lot of big things. Overcome a lot of adversity. He gets into all of that in the interview. Um, and he, you know, he's an all-around just good dude. I mean, I, I, I think now... I know we're all in the same mastermind with Legacy Family, but I, I know of several situations where folks in in that mastermind needed help, and Rafa just volunteered his time and expertise in the short-term rental space, as he has with us, um, to help him out, looking for nothing in return. And you know, at the end of the day, he'll get a lot in return for that for that that value first service. So uh, it was a pleasure to sit down with him and um, kind of pick his brain a little bit. Tim, what'd you get from it? Yeah, man. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet Rafa, I don't know, a few times in person at these different legacy events. And you talk about just kind of being there and, and being someone that's just willing to help. I mean, hands down. I mean, on a personal level, I don't know if it was Puerto Rico or Chicago, but I was leaving, had a really early flight out one morning and out of nowhere, my Uber driver like canceled on me. So Rafa was right there. He had a, a ride and him and I were able to go to the airport together and you know, of course, he didn't accept anything from it, but he was a lifesaver at that point. Um, you know, he's just a really good guy, always willing to help. He His processes and procedures, I think, are like to a T. You know, he's given me a couple insights on our short-term rental stuff that we have, and it's made a, a load of difference just in the way that we handle it. So, yeah, yeah. real go-giver, just awesome guy, awesome personality. That, uh, that theme of these legacy events, uh, scrambling in the early morning for the flights after a long night before, that uh, – that keeps popping up in our lives somehow. So, <laughs> but Bill, what'd you get from the uh, from the interview with uh, it's part, it's part of the process? I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you make the flight, anyway. Right. The uh, <laughs> but yeah, Rafa, great guy. It's been great to uh, to get to know him. And one thing I've been impressed with, and it really comes out, and just the way he presents himself, and and the way he talks about everything. That whenever you're in a conversation with him, or you on a topic, or whatever it may be his brain is always working towards the solution, right? You, you talk to Rafa, you ask him, you know, just about a specific thing, whether it's Airbnb or whatever, he's always looking for that answer. And his, his, his brain just works in a way to find solutions to problems. And that's why he's so successful is figuring yeah. things out uh, on the fly. And, and I mean, and just coming up with ideas on and, and being willing to test them out. And he's done them all. He's tested them. He's gone through a lot and, and he's built a lot and it's, it's super impressive. Yeah. And his the way 
he gets into it in this interview, but and he has had some true adversity in his business and in life. But when I when I ask him on that, and I don't want to spoil it, but it was almost as if he didn't even think of it as adversity. It's just part of building a business. You you go through stuff, and you know he. It's uh, just a very unique perspective there and one that's going to, you know, it has and will continue to serve him well. So uh, with that, we'll turn it over to the interview and hope you all enjoy as much as we did. All right. Rafa Loza, what's up, my man? Jason, what's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing great, man. Welcome to Burning the Boats. We appreciate you coming me. on. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're out on the West Coast, so a little bit of time difference there. So where, where are you exactly? Uh, Southern California right now. Yeah. It's uh, 10 a.m. right now. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. So, um, yeah, man, I've, I've been looking forward to this one, Rafa, because you, you're kind of, well, you're an expert in a lot of things, but you're, um, you're, I guess most recently what you're becoming known for is your expertise in like short-term, mid-term rentals, boutique style investments and stuff like that, which is, um, or some things that, my business partners and I are actively starting to get into. So we've, we've had a couple calls with you and we'll get into all that, but um, I guess we'll kick things off, man. If you just want to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, um, you know, where you come from, where, how you've gotten from where you were to where you are now and just, just ramble on about that stuff and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so my name is Rafa Loza. Uh, I live in Southern California. I was raised in Southern California um, I was actually born in Mexico. I came here when I was six years old. Um, lived in Southern California ever since. I travel a ton now. So my home is in Southern California, but I'm literally all over the place. So um, I started my, my, like you were saying, my biggest business venture and what I specialize and focus on is hospitality, short-term rentals, vacation rentals, boutique hotels, um, mid-term rental space, uh, anything that, I mean, pretty much any real estate endeavor that I find fun. And I think would be enjoyable. I, I try to dive into and kind of get good at it. So I've been in real estate um, since 2017. Before that, um, I've always been an entrepreneur my entire life. So I started my first entrepreneurial journey when I was around 11 years old. Um, I was washing catering trucks for my parents, uh, me and my twin brother. And then around high school, I got my first job at a Stater Brothers, worked there for a little bit. And then... Um, I worked at a Radio Shack. I think aside from that, I'd never really had a actual hourly set type of job. I've always been an entrepreneur and always wanted to do pretty much what I wanted at the kind of whenever I wanted. And so because of that lifestyle, I would always try to find ways to make money to kind of suit my my needs. Um, it was never for a long time. It was never like, oh, hey, I want to you know make 100 grand or make 10 grand. I just wanted to make enough to get by to be happy. And so uh, I did a lot of artist things. I would uh, sell a lot of art. Um, I would create, you know, things with my hands to sell that people made a following, uh, miniature figures, dead mouse heads. I mean, literally just a bunch of random stuff. And then I got into the collections world. Um, I was in collect debt collections for about 10 years prior to getting into real estate. Uh, worked at an office, uh, 1099, worked my hours whenever I wanted. It was pretty much collect and make money. And I got really good at it. And so I got the opportunity to start my own office in a debt collections uh, company. And so I did. And then, you know, I built out that business and it did really well for a while. And then a lot of regulations changed. And then it was a really dark industry. Uh, collections is just very like negative, just very mind numbing. And it gets very heavy on you after a while. And so I decided to leave and I left that industry cold turkey. I just 
one day I said, Hey, I'm out. Uh, left the company to my brother and one of my best friends. And I left. And in the meantime, I was trying to figure out what I had. I, I think I took 20 grand in my pocket and um, that I had saved up. I didn't even take anything from the company itself. And in that time where I was trying to figure out what to do, this was back in 2015 or so. Um, I knew I always wanted to get into real estate. I started listening to, you know, the bigger pockets and all the big major podcasts and reading all the books. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, you know, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so I decided to get into real estate. In the meantime, I was working at a casino graveyard shift. Um, very dark. Again, another dark industry. Lots of, uh, you know, drinking, gambling and having fun. Uh, kind of a downward spiral for a little bit. And so I was like, hey, this isn't what I really want to do. Um, some of the best times, I, I mean, I met my girlfriend there, so it's awesome, you know? Um, and so, but I knew I wanted, it was like a stepping stone for me. What did I, I needed to get to the next thing. And so as I was doing that, I wanted to get started doing the, the whole real estate thing. And I remember thinking, Hey, I'm going to buy a property. I'm going to put a tenant in it. I'm going to be rich. Like that was the idea. Right. And then obviously in Southern California, that's not the case. Everything's extremely expensive. Um, turns out I was going to be negative cash flow. Do you even know what cash flow was back then? I was like, just working out the numbers. I was like, wait a second, this isn't right. I'm going to end up a negative. And so I was like, okay. And then I started doing some more research and found out about wholesaling, right? Everybody pitches, get rich in wholesaling without any money out of your pocket type of deal. So I went down that rabbit hole for a little bit. And then I was like, yeah, that's not really what I want to do. And then I came across short-term rentals and I found out about a kid or a pair of kids who were driving like some Ferrari or some, something, a Lambo. I don't even remember what kind of car it was. And they're like, oh, yeah, we Airbnb these apartments in an apartment complex. And I was like, I was like, OK, uh, that's a thing. He's like, yeah, we just rent them out and we put them on Airbnb and we make money. And I'm like, do you do they allow these? I don't know. But if we get caught, we'll just shut down. And I'm like, well, that does, that's like not a very good business. Right. And so at the same time, I found out about short term rentals and then my brain just clicked. And I was like, wait, short term rentals is what Airbnb is. Airbnb is just like the marketing platform for the short term rentals. But I don't have to stick to Airbnb. I can do pretty much everything. And so I started learning about systems and processes and building a business the right way. I mean, I've built businesses before, but never the right way. And um, went down that rabbit hole. And I said, hey, instead of me buying a property, I can rent a two-bedroom apartment. I can put furniture in it for a very small uh, investment percentage and actually make three, four, five X what that you know, $40,000, $50,000 deposit on the house would make. And so I was like, this... This is a no brainer. So I went down about six months of just making phone calls, asking for permission to uh, use other people's properties. Bunch of no's, a bunch of no's, a bunch of no's until I finally came across a yes. And um, they told me they're like, hey, it was it was actually a hundred and twenty unit apartment complex and they had about 60 units vacant. And they're like, hey, can you pay the rent? And I was like, yeah, we just have a brand new remodeled apartment. You can take it. I showed them a bank statement with the rent in it. I paid them first month rent deposit, which was about five grand. At that point, I only had about five grand left in my pocket. And I, all I had to do was furnish it and put it up on Airbnb. And so I uh, called my brother and I was like, yo, dude, I got this awesome business idea. It's going to make us rich. Like, let me borrow a credit card. So he lets me borrow his credit card. I uh, spent about nine grand to furnish that apartment. And dude, the first month, the first two weeks, I made back the rent and the deposit. And the first month I made back six grand profit. And I was like, whoa, this is a real thing. I just made six grand in one month. Right. Yeah. And I compared it to the to the single family where I was like, wait, I'm going to I was going to put I was supposed to put at least 10 percent down. Right. Maybe even three percent down if I could get away with it. Um, but I wasn't going to live in it. And so I was like that I was going to put 50K or so down plus closing costs and I was going to end up negative cash flow. I just spent nine grand and five thousand in cash and I've already made more than half of it back in one month.
I was like, I'm going all in on this business. So I started with rental arbitrage. Um, I scaled to about 18 units in nine months, cash flow like crazy. Um, and in my mind, you know, I had made it. The world was set. Everything, everybody was like, everything was great. Um, my, my life was set. I was going to be just rich for the rest of my life. And um, that was it. I put my feet up and I was hanging out, kicking it, having a good time um, and got very complacent and very comfortable. And uh, just I would open units whenever somebody would offer them to me. I was no longer like searching and trying to like grow the business. Um, but fast forward to COVID, I had about 23 something units at that point. And, you well, know, about so three years. When you say 23, so these were all units that you were renting and then Correct. putting on short-term rentals. Got it. Correct. All arbitrage. Yep. And um, all rentals that I was renting out of different buildings, um, building relationships. I didn't know about building relationships at that time and the, the whole networking thing. And um, and so I, I said, okay, uh, COVID comes around. Um, I'm, you know, I, I remember exactly. I was in the process of signing a lease at a new apartment complex. And I had just signed over eight new apartments. And then I get the text message that Airbnb shutting everything down and refunding all of our guests. And so I went from $27,000 or $37,000 in revenue to literally 700 bucks. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And so um, I, I had to pivot. I, I ended up negotiating with some of my landlords, uh, deferred rent, um, paying a percentage of revenue that came in. And, um, it's what let me, let me stay afloat during COVID. And so, um, I'll end the story here shortly, but around that time, um, COVID's getting, you know, nobody, there's the uncertainty. I, I didn't open any more units. Um, I was able to stay through COVID because I pivoted to midterm rentals. I started getting medical professionals cause it was a big boomer on the medical professional industry at that point, people who had COVID that needed a quarantine somewhere. And so I ended up, um, I ended up, uh, staying afloat during the beginning of COVID to around the, where the, everybody kind of started, things started coming back a little bit. And then one of my landlords calls me and he goes, Hey, we're selling the building. Um, I had, I think in that building, I had 18 units or 19 units. And so he's like, the new owner doesn't want you in it. The new owner calls me. He's like, we want you to pick up your stuff and go. And so I was like, well, I owe you guys a bunch of deferred rent and um, I've been paying you. Why don't you just let me stay? I like it. I don't want to start over. And he's like, we don't want anything. Um, turns out that that old owner, I have this tendency to talk about what I do a lot and where I'm at. And so people follow me to certain places in this building. When I started, there was no, no Airbnbs. When I got kicked out, 78 of the 120 were all Airbnbs and wow. I was the only one paying rent and nobody else was paying rent. Right. And so he's like, nobody's paying rent, dude. We can't stay afloat. We want everybody out. And I was like, well, I've been paying you guys. He's like, it doesn't matter. We don't want any of that. We want everybody out. So I was like, crap. So I pick up all my furniture. We negotiate. He actually let me get away with all the deferred rent. He's like, just keep it. Just go. Um, basically paid me to leave. Uh, gave me a month to get all my stuff and go. Um, and I put all my stuff in, in storage. And at this point, I was like, I had three units. I'm like, what am I going to do? And so um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into flipping. Or I'm going to get into wholesaling. I don't want to do the short-term rental thing anymore. And so I start doing the research. I have some money saved up. Um and so I, I started looking for a property and then I go to, I, this is when I start actually networking and doing the meetups and um, getting involved. And um, I meet this guy and he goes, dude, if you're really good at something, stick to it and just master it. Why are you like trying to go in different directions? And I was like, you know what? He's right. I was like, I'm really good at talking to people. I'm really good at networking and I'm great at short-term rentals. It's like my bread and butter. So I was like, and I have all this furniture sitting in storage. 
for like 20 something units. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to do short-term rentals again. So I go back to what I was doing. I, I meet up, uh, I meet this investor. He's got this brand new uh, eight unit apartment complex or 12 unit apartment complex. I pitch him on the idea. Uh, we go back and forth a couple of times and uh, he's a little bit scared about Airbnb and COVID and everything that happened. And so I just kind of sat down and educated him how we run our business differently, right? It's not just, hey, we put on Airbnb. We have different marketing platforms. I have a lot of relationships with different corporate uh, accounts and the midterm rental space and medical professionals and all this stuff. And so he lets me go. And from COVID to today, I've built out 96 um, short-term rentals, all are all rentals. Um, I purchased a hotel. Um, that's when I started getting into really networking heavy. It's when I realized, wait a second. If I start networking and meeting people, my business can uh, scale. And that's when I joined Legacy, uh, started joining some really high-level masterminds, started going to some really high-level networking groups, helping people out. And my life kind of went on an upward trajectory from there. Um, I met uh, uh, Tony Robinson, not Tony Robbins, Tony Robinson from the Bigger Pockets yeah. Rookie Podcast. We became friends. I helped him out with some stuff. He helped me out with some stuff. We had some questions, and he invited me on, on the Bigger Pockets Podcast. Um, then they put me on the main podcast because they liked it so much, I guess. And, uh, we did like a rookie takeover and it just went up from there, man. People just kind of saw me as a short-term mental expert and people started net wanting to talk to me and network with me. And then I realized the power of networking. And then that's when I started joining the, again, the back to the high level masterminds and being around, you know, higher level people. And in my head, I was like, wait a second for the last three years, I always thought I had it made. And now I'm not, you know, I, even though I was doing really well, I had about 70 something short-term rentals at that point. I was like, I don't own a single piece of property except one house. I'm not doing anything in comparison to these dudes that have 4,000, 5,000 apartment complexes and they're just crushing it. In my mind, I always thought I was doing really well. That's because I was comparing myself to everybody around me, not the people that I wanted to be around. And so, um, I mean, you know, I, I can go in circles around this a million times. I know I'm going on a huge... Right yeah, here, Jason. Uh, yeah, it's this. This is phenomenal. I mean, you you've teed up a lot of questions I want to ask with everything <laughs> you went through. Um, and I mean, the, the the thing that stands out most with everything you just walked us through, and and it kind of aligns with you know the theme of this all of our interviews, but is is mindset and just the ability to almost welcome adversity and then figure it out, you know, use it, leverage adversity and then use it to make you stronger, smarter and apply what you learn to the next situation. Well, you, I mean, you went, you started at 11 years old and ran through all these different businesses you were trying. And then you ran into, you know, you start, you find one that works. You got the short term rental thing going and you build it up to 20 some units and um, they shut it. You know, you, I think COVID yeah. and then you said, uh, after that, you start building back up and then the apartment you were in shut it down because it was being sold. But each time it sounds to me like when you receive that news, I don't it doesn't seem like you sat in that bad news very long. It was like, no. oh, shit, this is not good. Let's go. Is that I mean, is that what it feels like anyway? I mean, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I never thought about it that way. But, yeah, I, I you know, we get hit sometimes and i've never looked at it that way i always look at my life and i go dude i'm super blessed like i've never really had any negative of like situations but now that i think about it i've actually, I've actually had some tough times where i yeah. had to actually figure out how to get out of them um but i've never looked at it that way i just look at it as in hey it is what it is i gotta move forward and how do i get past it, That's well, that, it. there's no other way that, that comes from somewhere i mean that like that is um i like to think i have a good dose of that too where 
Um, and, and the more and more, I, I'm kind of getting redundant on these podcasts with this because the more entrepreneurs I talk to, I see this commonality of almost we don't view adversity and like hard times the, I guess, the standard way most people do. It's almost like if things are not adverse in front of us, we almost get bored, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we just look at it as another Tuesday, you know, um, as something bad happens. So as I hear you, most people, you, you've got, you're building a business, then COVID hits and basically shuts that down for a, a, you, for the foreseeable future. Yep. Most people are going to throw in the white, flag and say, all right, I got to move on to something else. No, you stayed the course, you start building it back up. Then you get hit with another blow. You, you settle in it a little bit. You talk to a mentor. It sounds like kind of put you back on, like focus on what you're good at. You leaned into it. And the third time around, now you've built it up to where it is now. And that, that, that doesn't just happen. Like that came from somewhere. And I don't know if you if it goes back to maybe some family influences, some, um, you know, how you were raised, how you were taught. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm curious where you think that foundational mindset of I'm not looking back. I'm just going to keep going, keep going and figure this thing out. Where does that come from? You know, if I if I get down to it and I really think about it and put my mind to it, it's got to be from my from my dad, because we didn't we grew up. You know, we we weren't like super broke and super poor. We grew up comfortable, middle class family, but it always was because my dad always hustled. He's been an entrepreneur his entire life. I talk to my dad sometimes in the stories he tells me he started his first business when he was five in Mexico. You know, like who starts a business when they're five years old? Right. And it was because of necessity, but it was because they had a business out there. They used to do um, like leather goods and stuff like that. He came here when I was six because some trade like laws had changed in Mexico. So he had to come here and, and actually figure out how to continue his business. Decided to stay here, started his own business here. Um, then he made me work with him to start his business. Right. And I've seen him start businesses and them start over from nothing. And like nothing phases them because, well, you have to. You don't have a choice. It's not like you throw in the towel and go lay down and do nothing for the rest of your life. There you it is. You have to keep that, going. Yeah, that, that's that's where it came from, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. see that firsthand, man. That, yeah. That's, um, man. I, I, and again, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know any of this about your background. I just know you as a short-term rental guy and you've helped us out a lot. And, <laughs> um, but to kind of hear how you, you know, you've gotten through the adversity and now, even now it sounds like you're, you're somewhat transitioning into owning more assets, you know, yeah. and realizing like this whole short-term rental thing, you've seen it twice kind of be shut down on you. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you've perfected your processes to kind of insulate it a little bit better. And now you're starting to own things where it's more longer term focused and, and that that's good. Yeah. So, so the idea from the get-go was always to make enough money to cash flow to be able to buy like one property every single month. Like in my head, I was like, Oh, if I get a hundred of these rentals, making a hundred thousand dollars a month, I can throw that hundred grand into a property, turn that into a short-term rental and just start stacking. But then when I got to around 50 or 60, it was just like, it came with the ups and downs, market shifts. And you know, not everything's sustainable, especially with like, you're, you're not really owning, you're renting. Other people kind of have a say over what you're doing. Um, I realized that it wasn't really sustainable to wait to get to a hundred. And I've talked to other arbitrage guys and rental people that they have hundreds, like three, 400 units and they're shutting 50, 60 at a time. And I'm like, dude, that, like, that's so stressful. I don't want that over. Like, I do it. I am all about the road, right? The paved road, the easy road to travel. I don't want any headaches. I want to live a stress-free life. I want to be comfortable. I pay for convenience. Um, and so in my head, I'm like, 
if I keep doing these rentals and someone shuts me down, I have to start over every single time. So I'm like, right. no way. So uh, when I got to the point where I was making enough money to actually purchase, I was like, you know what? I'm already here. I don't need to get to that hundred. I'm just going to start doing it now. And so I started, I, I, you know, bought my parents a house and then we started buying slowly, like I, buying a, a first investment, a second investment. I did a, I actually did a long-term flip, which I never even looked at as a long-term flip made a hundred grand. I, I, so I took a, a wholesale deal. I rehabbed it. I did the whole burst strategy on it and um, ran it as a short-term rental as for a year. Then I sold it as a working short-term rental and I made a hundred grand on top of it, put that into another property. Now I have a bigger property. Then I meet my partners who I own a hotel with. I have enough money for that. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to do arbitrage anymore. I, I, I want to just continue doing the path where I'm doing. And now everything that I used to focus on is now I want to do cool projects that I can own and that I can enjoy and have fun with. If I can't meet those four things, I don't want to touch it. I don't care how good it's going to do. If it comes with a headache, I don't want to touch it. If it comes with problems, I don't want to touch it. Unless if it's fun and it comes with headaches, right. I'm all for it because I'm going to learn from it and I'm having yeah. fun doing it. Yeah. Um, I bought a, I created, I, I did a creative deal this last year. Um, and to backtrack a little bit, actually, before I get into this deal, 2023 actually became the year where like everything just kind of skyrocketed the masterminds, the networking, the relationships, the capital, um, the business structures, um, the purchasing, the partnering, all of that just came the traveling. I dude, I traveled like 70 times in 2023. It was insane. Um, and so all of that came out of nowhere, but the business, the, the art, the rentals were doing so well. I was cash flowing so well. I had my people all taken care of. I built the business to where I didn't have to be involved, right? I was working on the business, not in the business anymore. And so naturally it just came, the partnerships came, the people came. Um, I, I was helped. I just help as many people as I can. And then they turn, it always comes back and pays, you know, tenfold. And dude, it was crazy. I bought a, a 40 acre ranch on a creative deal. I bought a hotel. I bought a seven unit apartment complex. I bought um, five vacation rentals. Two, zero, three of them are zero money down. Um, we have three more in the pipeline. I mean, I have a hotel in the pipeline right now. It's it's crazy how everything's just kind of skyrocketed out of nowhere. Um, just by Rafa, Rafa. And what everything you just said, like you did this, all the stuff you just bought and the things you have in the pipeline, you did it in 2023 with where yeah. a year where 95% of people were just, oh, I'm going to sit back for a little bit because yeah. the interest rates <laughs> are weird and blah, blah. No, you, you leaned in, man. And that like in a year where, uh, most people were either stagnant or maybe going and selling off some stuff just out of fear. You leaned in. I, I love it, man. I love yeah. the feelings. That's good. I think, I think us as entrepreneurs, we're able to take a little bit more risk, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to where like, I know some people are like, I was talking to one of my best friends and she's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean? I'm all, this is awesome. I was like, look yeah. at what we're doing. She's like, you're running out of money. And I was like, so what? The money's going to come after her. Like, I'm not worried about that. She's like, what are you going to do? I was like, nothing. I'm going to keep going, doing what I'm doing. I go, I'm not, I'm not stupid either. I'm not draining everything and being like out of, out of control. But it's like, I'm not the type of person that wants to stare at 300,000, a hundred thousand, 50,000, you know, whatever number on the bank and be comfortable. If it's at zero, I'm comfortable. I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm at zero. Let's go. Right. How do I get this yeah. number back up? Um, and so it's like, you know, continue to invest. And, and I, I take bigger risks than most people. So I think that's, that's kind of like, it, it motivates me and makes me be a little bit better. And I learn a ton. So good. Yeah. It's uh. It's good, man. I, I, you know, and, and one thing that I, I was around you at a few of the legacy summits. So I, 
I've been in Legacy about, I don't know, year and a half, a little over a year and a half now. Um, but I really got to be around you kind of more in a, in a more uh, intimate setting at the, when we went to the island, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember we did like a round table there where everybody was just kind of, it was kind of a rapid fire of here's some issues we're dealing with and stuff like that. And one thing I picked up on you when you were taught, like everything you do, you're, it, it feels to me like this anyway, you're leading with value. Like that's the top priority. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not one that's gimme, 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 gimme. Let me take that. How much are you going to pay me for this? That kind of, you know, how much equity are you giving me in this? You're leading with value. And you, you referenced it earlier, whether it does or not, it always does come back. Like yeah. it always comes back. Man. Yeah. And, 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 and again, what you're not doing it with the intent for it to come back. But no. You're just like when you lead with value, especially in the groups you've put yourself in now, um, it, it exposes you as a genuine human being, as somebody that cares, as somebody that genuinely wants to help. And then you get brought into things. You get opportunities through that and stuff like that. And then you can bring real value with your expertise in the boutique space. And that's how you got into that hotel and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And like I reached out to you, Bill and I are trying to turn some single family homes into midterm rentals. We've never done it. We don't know anything about it. Let's reach out to Rafa. And you were, I think we first talked to you at a summit, but you, you were very quick to say, call me anytime. Let's hop on a call. I'll show you how to do it. I'll give you some resources, blah, blah, blah. You didn't say I charge $5,000 for this one hour phone call. <laughs> it, you know, yeah. it, but my point is you could do that. You could, but you're, you're building a brand leading with value. That leads me to kind of my next question. But at some point, that value is going to be so valuable. You can create a valuable course or a mentorship program or something around it, um, an educational type thing around short-term rental space. And is that something you've thought about or something you're kind of planning for the future? So I actually had one already. Okay. And um, I, I actually shut it down. I didn't shut it down, but I don't promote it. Like if somebody signs up, they can sign up, but I don't push sure. it at all. So I got involved. I, 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 when I started getting popular around the arbitrage space and, and the short-term rental space, not systems operations, but just how to get started with no money. It brought a lot of people my way. Oh yeah, I can get started investing with, you know, five, 10 grand. And so I would get just an, like, I'm talking like hundreds of messages a day. And so what I did is I created a little course with just, answering all the, the questions that everybody was asking me. So, cause it became really mind numbing answering phone calls every single day and helping right. people every single day. And I was like, dude, I can't, this isn't sustainable. And so I created a course of a bunch of videos and I put it up for sale and a bunch of people bought it and it was great. And then I did some live walkthroughs when I would, I took over a 30 unit apartment complex a couple of years ago. And I was like, Hey, for all of you guys who were blowing me up, I'm going to take in 15. Actually I said, I'm going to walk you guys through this at uh, no charge. It, this is crazy how this turned out. So I was like, at no charge, DM me if you guys want to come by and look at this building. I had about 60 people sign up. And I was like, I can't walk 60 people through this building. So I was like, hey guys, I, I said it was gonna be free. I'm gonna record this. But if you want to come to the in person, I'm gonna charge you some money. Um, and and so they're like, okay. And so um they, you know, I said we're gonna charge some money, and then the list dropped. And then I was like, it's still like it was like 40 something. I was like, I had to raise the price. And then the list dropped and then I raised the price and then the list dropped. I ended up getting to my 15 people 
Um, and I think it was like a 3,500 bucks a person, which was insane. I wasn't planning on charging. Yeah, right. Um, and they all signed up. I ended up doing a seven day thing with them where I walk them through every, every unit. We sat down, I taught them the whole short term rental thing. And then I was like, wait a second. I was like, I just helped a bunch of people. I made some money. And so I was like, maybe I'll monetize my course. And so I, I fine tuned those videos. And then I made a partnership with some guys who were like, Hey, we can help you, you know, um, sell this thing. And so they made me do some ads. I, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. The whole time I was like, this isn't me. Like, I'm not about this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put the time. And then they required me to be on a call every week, um, at least once or twice a week and spend, you know, an hour to two hours answering calls and answering questions. I mean, so I was like, I'm not really about this. And we sold, I don't know, 10, 10 people. And then I was like, Hey, I'm not really enjoying this. I'm not having fun. It's great money, but I'm not about it. Let's shut it down. So I shut it down Good for um, you. and yeah. I dropped the price of the course. I think it's like 900 bucks. Now it's like 80 videos. Um, and I just put the link up. I said, if somebody runs across my page and they know who I am and they want to buy the course, by all means buy it, you can watch the videos and that's on. That's it. I don't have to yeah. deal with it. And right. so going forward to do like, dude, it requires a lot of work. You got to have a team. You got to provide a ton of value. Um, you got to make it yourself accessible to answer questions. And so because of that, I don't know if I'll ever get back into the mastermind and coaching, like running my own space. I thought about it. Um, maybe even in the boutique hotel space, because I have a ton of knowledge around the boutique hotel space. Um, and I was going to partner up with like my, my partners, Austin and Nick to do it. But then it's just like, dude, it's just so time consuming, maybe yeah. in the future. But as of now, probably not. Yeah, no, I, I like it, man. And, and that goes back to because it's not it's not scratching a niche for you. It's not fun, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's fun to teach people, but to, to turn that into a business where your time gets traded for the money that comes in to teach people, it's a different uh different animal when you get into that. So, no, oh man, that, that's uh good stuff. I, I, what do you think? I know you mentioned you got some deals in the pipeline. What, what is the next year? What does 2024 look like for you? So actually, um, you know, I'm not active. I, I've never actively looked for deals to be honest with you. If I'm going to be fully transparent here, I've never actively looked for deals. Um, deals come my way from this. People are like, Hey, we got this, this partner. Hey, let's talk about this. So I was like, cool, let's do it. Um, I don't like to, I have so much going on right now that I, whatever comes my way, I'll, I'll consider it when the time comes right now. I'll have a hotel that we're looking at up North in, in Northern California. I kind of feel bad because I've been blowing them off a little bit because I've been so busy, but, um, I'm going to finish the deals I have right now, get them up and running, go live, set that hundred percent. The one thing I'm focused on in 2024 is uh, I'm, I want to buy a business by the end of 2024. I'm getting into the business space. And so I just signed up to a high level mastermind for businesses where I'm going to learn acquisitions, um, for a business. And so that's what 2024 is going to be about for me. I want to buy one business, you know, one to $5 million at some, some sort of range. I'm going to learn the buy box and everything, but that's, that's the goal for 2024 right now. Good. I like it, man. I, I can't wait to follow up with you later in the year. See, see where things are going with that. Uh, I got to ask you, this is completely a tangent. I see the picture or painting of a bulldog behind you. Are you, yeah. do you have bulldogs? So uh, the top one is a bulldog I used to have back in the day. He passed away about okay. I don't know, six years ago. And the bottom one's my actual bulldog right now. That's him. Uh, my brother got me a, a rug made of a picture of him. And so instead of putting it on the floor, I thought it was so cool. I just put it up on the wall. It's awesome, man. I have, um, I got a, a bulldog when I graduated college. He lived 14 years. I got a painting on the wall of him, a giant yeah. one. Nice. And then we we just got, he he passed away a couple of years ago. We just got a second one. Um, two years, he's two years old now. So yeah. I, I'm. Dude, bulldogs are awesome, man. Like they are. A, yeah, there you go. They're, they're a pain in the butt. Um, 
to maintain and yeah. keep happy and all that stuff. But they're awesome, man. But yeah, I do. Um, Rafa, I'm gonna we we ask every guest uh, to kind of you know towards the end, and we'll wrap things up here in a little bit. But to share whether it's a book or a podcast or a series or anything like that that you can share with our audience, so they can walk away from this today, go find it, listen to it, read it, whatever it is. What's What's one thing you can give folks to um, go check out and that will improve their lives or business, what have you? You know, uh, there's there's a ton of resources out there, right? YouTube University, there's 100,000 podcasts people can listen to. Um, if you want my top picks, if you want to learn about real estate, right, go listen to the big real estate podcast. There's bigger pockets, obviously. There's a couple other ones that are that are pretty targeted towards real estate. If you want to learn about business, go find a business. If you want to learn about mindset, go find a mindset podcast. Um, there's... The Knowledge Project is an awesome podcast that I listen to because it just in interviews really, really high level people, like wealthy people. Like you got like Ray Dalio in there, right? Like people like that. Um, and he does a great job of interviewing and breaking things down. That's like a better your life podcast all around what people have already perfected and mastered. You can learn from them. Um, that's a good one. I don't know. I don't know if I have one specifically. What I would suggest, actually, if you don't mind me saying, Jason, oh, yeah. is go and find whatever you want to learn about. Find something that's like focused specifically on that and listen to it and learn as much as you can about it. If you just want to learn how to network and be around people, go to as many networking events as you can possibly go to. Right. Um, find a high level mastermind, join it and be in that group so you can be around people that are doing things that you only dreamed of doing. That That's a regular Tuesday. Right. And I guarantee you, it's just going to rub off and it's going to, it's going to pay off. There's no other choice, but to, yeah. to be there at some point. And man, I, I love that. Like I, all of us, you know, I, I think, I think every entrepreneur has some dose of ADHD where we just, it's tough to focus on just one thing, yeah. right? We want to chase everything. I'm guilt, real guilty of it. Um, but you're right. The things that I have always just put majority of my resources and energy and focus into are the things that end up being very well, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a secret sauce. It's just listen to what others have been through and, and borrow their experience and apply it to your own life or your lives. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so easy, especially in the real estate world, because like you, you're in the short-term rental niche, right? Bill and I, my, my business partner and I, we probably spent a month studying, researching short-term rental, and it was a distraction for us because it mm -hmm. was not our main thing, you know. Yeah. And for us, at the end of the day, we we kind of at that time, this was a couple of years ago, we said, no, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. That's uh, let, let's stop it. But so many times, I've wasted a month or wasted three months chasing the next shiny object, whereas the thing I do really well is just, you know buying easy properties, buying things that make sense, that cash yeah. flow, and then networking, finding people yeah. to learn more from. And those are things I do good. And every time I've leaned in on that, just like you said, and focus hard on it, the results speak for themselves. So um, yeah. now that's, that's good advice, man. Um, we're going to drop in the show notes um, links to all of your social media, if that's good with you. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, uh, we'll, we'll drop that podcast you referenced as well. So people can check that, but, uh, do you have any like final thoughts or anything you want to uh, share with folks? 
Um, I think the biggest one is just be around people that are doing bigger things than you. Like everybody, seriously, like it doesn't matter what it is. If you want to learn how to paint, go hang out with artists, right? If you want to play music, go hang out with musicians. If, if you want to learn how to dance, go hang out with dancers. It's going to rub off and eventually you're going to be that. For me, I always wanted to get into real estate. And some of the problems that I thought were like the biggest headaches that I'd ever encounter are now something that I don't even bat an eye for, right? Like to me, a fix and flip for it was like the world's biggest, like, whoa, how can I hit, climb that hill? And now I'm like, oh, yeah, just buy that. I don't care. Just get a contract there and then rehab it and let's just move on with our lives. How can I get that thing cash flowing? It doesn't even become like we make problems so big in our mind. Get around people that those big problems, again, it's just a regular morning for them, right? Yeah. Where they just make a phone call to solve that problem. And eventually you're going to be like, holy crap, that really doesn't matter. And you're going to do bigger and better things. Just get around people that are going to be where you want to go. Yeah, I, um, I love it, man. I, I had my my former career insurance sales. I, right when I first started, I remember the first like sales meeting I went to. So it was like 50 sales insurance salesmen in a room and our managers up there doing this thing. But I didn't know anybody at the time. It was first meeting. I sit in the back of the room. Right. You know, I'm just kind of don't know anybody kind of hiding. Don't, don't want anybody to call me out. I'm new. Don't know anything. Mm hmm. And my direct manager at the time, who was a great, still a great mentor to me, but after the meeting, he said, look, I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to help you the rest of your life. He said, I know those guys that all sat at that front table, they're lions. They, they are lions. They know how to do this. They're up there because they're not afraid. He said, right now you feel like a little zebra, but go up there and be a zebra. Pretend to be a lion, and over time, you're going to turn into a lion. Yep. And uh, since that day... Every room I'm in, I try, even though like the legacy group, when I joined, I was the smallest fish in that pond, you know, I, but I knew that I'll start kind of running with these bigger fish. I'll start picking up some things like you and other folks in the group. And uh, sure enough, you know, it, it works out. It never fails, you know, running yeah. with the lions. So, yeah, but, uh, but no, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the time. Um, I wish you the best of luck uh, for 2024. We'll be in touch. Will you uh, be in New Orleans? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay. Yep. Look forward to hanging out with you there. And uh, yeah, man, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Rafa, I appreciate you being on here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you for having me. Yes, sir. Have a great one. See ya. Hey, folks. Uh, thanks for joining in. And um, hope you guys uh, enjoyed that conversation with Rafa Loza as much as I did uh, sitting down with him and, and going through his background, a lot of that stuff, I'm, I've gotten to know Rafa pretty well, but a lot of that stuff was new to me. Um, I hadn't really gone into that, that much depth with him on certain things, but um, very impressive, very impressive. More than anything else to me was his, you know, he, he went through two or three examples of when he just completely got shut down or knocked down and whatever level he was at and um, trying to build his real estate business. Um, and he just seemed to be, completely unfazed by it, you know, just brush it off, move on, figure out how to grow from whatever setback it is. So, um, you know, that, that was very impressive, very encouraging. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot. I encourage all of y'all to check him out on social media and all those platforms. We'll drop all that in the show notes. But um, as he mentioned, he's got uh, quite a few resources available. He's got a, a coaching platform that, um, you know, he doesn't market very heavily, but it is available. So I encourage all of you that are interested in that midterm, short-term rental space, uh, check him out on that. Um, as always, uh, Burning the Boats podcast is presented by 608B Capital. 
So anybody with uh, investing needs or uh, borrowing needs for short-term real estate uh, loans, um, check us out. Our website is uh, 608bcapital.com, and we are at 608B Capital Group on all social media. Um, but with that, we'll go ahead and tie a bow around this. We look forward to seeing you guys next week on Burning the Boats. Have a great week.